Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hello, Rockbrook. So glad to see you today. Thanks for joining us. Hello to everyone who's watching online, maybe right now, or listening later this week, watching later this week. Welcome to part two of the awesome power of vision. So glad you're here for this series that is leading up to Rockbrook's 25th birthday. I'd love for you to have a couple dates on your calendar just as we approach the summer together as a church family. The first one is this first weekend of June will be Rockbrook's birthday weekend. Maybe it is that in this series you're going to need to catch a couple of them online or by podcast or something. Uh, That's great, but I'd love for our whole church family to be worshiping together that weekend. Also, as you plan your summer, I gave you this date uh, many months ago, actually last year, but I want to just have it on your radar again, and that is our church-wide serve day. That'll be Saturday, July 16th. Serve day is the day that we dedicate as an entire church family to serving others, doing projects in our community, acts of kindness and love to others. You're going to be hearing more about this in the coming months and and, and weeks and days, uh, but I just want to make sure you had the date on your calendar so that you weren't uh, surprised by that. Now last week, I opened up this series on vision, on how to see the future, and how to see the future with faith instead of fear. And we looked at the Israelites who were on the edge of the promised land, and they send in 12 spies to go in and scout out the land, and then bring back a report and unfortunately, the Israelites listen to 10 of the spies, the majority report of fear, rather than the minority report of faith that God was trying to give. God has a plan, a mission, a vision for your life. The greatest adventure of life is to be used by God. Nothing comes close to the feeling of being used by God. If you've never had that feeling of being used by God, uh, I, I really feel sad for you because I want you to experience that. God wants you to experience it. God wants to use you. In fact, the Bible says that God is looking for people to use. Uh, but there is a qualification. You have to be usable. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, and let's read this line out loud together, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument, as a tool, to do what is right for the glory of God. God wants to use you, but there are things he looks for in your life. And it's not what everybody else looks at. If you're going to have blessing and power, be usable by God, you do these things that scripture says to do. Let me show you the first one. To be used by God, step one, I need to purify my heart. If you're taking notes, you might write that in. God uses people with a pure heart. Not, listen to me now, not a perfect person, a pure person. Not the most talented, but a pure person. Not the smartest person, but a pure person. 
The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Now God uses all kinds of people, okay? He uses shy people. He uses outgoing people. God uses really, really smart people. God uses not so smart people, obviously. God uses men. Yeah, thank you. I actually took it as a compliment that no one laughed, but... God uses men and God uses women. God uses people from all stages of life, all different backgrounds. God uses all different races, all different ages. God will use, like God says that we are clay in the potter's hand. And God will use plain pots. He'll use ornate pots. He'll use broken pots. Last night I I said he uses crack pots and I meant to say cracked pots, but that was the whole thing and... But he'll use everything. He'll use plain vessels, ornate vessels, big vessels, small vessels. Use broken, glued together, taped together vessels. He'll use vessels with a past. He'll use vessels that other people have cast aside. But there's one thing that God will not use. He will not use an impure vessel. Now he'll use a messy one, but not an impure one. Because if the vessel is impure, if there's something about it that's some chemical or something that won't allow it to grow, then God can't use it. That's why Joshua, when he was telling the people to get ready to go into the promised land, so fast forward 40 years from where we were last week, there's a new generation, next generation, a whole nation that's been waiting to go into the promised land. And the next day, they're going to cross the Jordan River and go into the land that was promised to them. They're going into the next stage of their vision. And Joshua told the people this, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And I believe God is going to do great wonders in you and great wonders in this church. There's actually no doubt in my mind about it that he has, what he has in the years ahead for you, for us, for our church is great wonders. But the starting point has to be that we purify ourselves. How do you do that? And how do you know if you've done it? You do it through one very simple word. The word is confession. Where in the world am I getting that? I get it from 1 John 1, 9. that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God says, your part is to confess it. My part is to purify you. So what does it mean to confess? Uh, The Greek word of confess is homo legeo. Homo, that means same. Legeo means to speak. So what does confession mean? Confession, in terms of God, is to speak the same thing about my sin that God does. It means I agree with him. It means I'm saying, God, you are right. This is sin. You call it for what it is. And it doesn't mean that you bargain with God. God, I'll never do it again. Well, it doesn't mean you bribe God. God, I promise I'll read my Bible every day if you'll forgive me. I promise to do this. Promise to do that. Our promises don't mean that much to God. 
No, you admit, you confess, you repent, you say, all I've got, maybe you're asking, you mean all I've got to do is confess it and God will forgive me? That's what he says. That's what, that's what he says. I didn't make that up. If you confess your sins to God, he will purify you. I need to surrender, submit to him, to his way, say the same thing about it as he does. And come into agreement with him. Here's what I'd suggest you do if you really want to be used by God. Here's the action step. I've called all four services now to this, to sometime this week, take some time, sit down with a pad of paper, maybe a yellow pad, and say, God, show me what is between me and you. What is piled up in my life? What's wrong in my life? Show me. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to admit it. I'm going to confess it to you. I'm going to believe about it what you believe and you think through the areas of your life. And after doing this several times in my life, I will tell you, he will show you something. In fact, the first time I did this, I thought I was writing a stinking book is what I thought was happening, right? Because God showed stuff. And he will show you. And he'll, you say, God, give me another area. And you write down that area. You think another area of your life. And you say, God, show me what's between me and you. Now our Celebrate Recovery process actually helps you with this. It's called taking and giving an inventory. And the first time uh, you do it, it can be overwhelming, it's difficult, but it's so rewarding. And the idea is that you make this list and then when, when you're done, write over it 1 John 1, 9. God, I admit these to you, I confess it to you, I don't want them in my life. God, forgive me and he is faithful and just and will forgive you and will cleanse your life. Who have I hurt? That's guilt. Who has hurt me? That's resentment. What am I worrying about? That's a lack of faith. Who have I been envious of? And just let God cleanse your life. That's the starting point. I must purify my heart. And it is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. Man, to know that God can take my broken life to take my sins and that he can purify me and make me right in Jesus' name. Here's the second one. And that is step two. To, for God to use me, I need to sanctify my mind and body. Now, what in the world does that mean? Everybody up for just a little theology lesson right now? Say yes, because you're getting it either way. But sanctification uh, is a theological word that it means to dedicate something for God's purposes. You're separating it to dedicate it to God. Uh, you, can, you can do that with anything. In fact, uh, this building, this building is just a warehouse. It's not a church. But when we moved in here, we sanctified it for God's purposes. So God, we're taking this warehouse and we want to dedicate it for your purposes. God, you turn this into a church. You can do that with your house. God, I sanctify this house. Dedicate it to you. I want to be used for your purposes. You can do that with your car. You can do that with anything. But God says there's something I want you to specifically dedicate to me. And it's your body. It's your mind. Now, all believers, when you become a believer, you are in Christ. You have righteousness, sanctification, redemption. It's a work that God performs. It's called justification, meaning that you are freed from the penalty of sin. And there are actually three phases of sanctification because just as I have a past, a present, a future, you have a past, a present, a future, God can sanctify all of that. So first, when you trust in the work of Jesus, you're freed from the penalty of you are separated, freed, sanctified 
from the penalty of sin. I'll show you this in Acts 13, 39. It says, through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Like if you could obtain it, Jesus wouldn't have to die. He died for you. He did the work for you. He did the work of justification for you. It's an intricate part of our salvation, connects us with Christ. Now, while we're set free from the punishment of sin and set free from every sin, as this says, what do we know? We know that we still sin. And that's why the Bible also refers to sanctification as this practical experience of breaking free from the power of sin. This is what our series Breaking Free was about. Meaning there's something that's powerful over you, but through growing in Christ and through maturity, you actually flip and have authority over that thing. And God started the work of making us like Christ. He is continuing this work. And how is it affected? How do I separate from the power of sin? Jesus tells us in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's about the effective application of God's word in my life. People, people will say when, like when you're saved uh, that now you are a witness. You're always a witness. Your life is always a witness. Before I was saved, my life was a witness to the fact that I was connected to the world and separated from God. After I become a believer, my behavior starts to become a witness to the fact that I'm separated from the world and I'm connected to God. Little by little, every day, those who are being sanctified are becoming more and more like Christ, being separated from the power of sin. But there's a third sense in which the word sanctification is used in scripture. It's complete, ultimate, full sanctification where the believer is separated from the presence of sin altogether. It's when we are glorified with Christ. 1 John 3, 2 on the screen says this, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. This is called the hope of glory. You hear us sing about it. The hope of glory. The glorious appearing of Christ. When he comes back, and we will be glorified. We'll have a glorified body. The glorified state will be, will be ultimately separated from sin. And God will wipe every tear. And he'll make everything right. And total sanctification in every regard. So for my past, God has granted me justification that I'm freed from the penalty of sin. Now God is guiding me in maturity to be separated from the power of sin in my life. And in the future, God's going to give me ultimate glorification, permanent, ultimate holiness and sanctification. These three phases of sanctification separate the believer from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, the presence of sin. I need to purify my heart. I need to sanctify my mind and body. Now, before we leave this one, someone asked me after the service, can you just give me like a modern translation of all of that, of what you just gave on this point? Like, what do I do? Here's the modern thing the action step of this one what does it mean to sanctify my body it means get in shape (laughs) right like the thing that you've been wanting to do God's been putting on your heart to do with your mind and body like give it to him God wants to use you get ready let's go 
He's waiting for you to take those steps to sanctify your mind and body. And there's a third step that helps us with this a lot is number three, I need to, amen, somebody simplify my life. <laughs> I want to tell you something very countercultural. You were not created to handle all the information that's available to you. You were not meant to have an opinion on everything that our culture expects you to have an opinion on. The information age has us on an information overload. And it has people wildly, wildly distracted from the vision God is giving them. It has people commenting on and giving opinions on, preaching on, using their platforms God gave for things that uh, th they were not meant to have anything to do with. 65% of people wake up and within the first two minutes of being awake, check their phone. You know what's on your phone? Problems. <laughs> Bad news. You know what's on your phone? Everybody else's agenda for your life. You know what's on your phone? Stuff happening in other states, other parts, other things that you have no control over. Meanwhile, God says, I have a vision for your life. Jesus says, this day has enough worries of its own, and I'm giving you faith for that day. And we adopt and bring on and put on all of this other stuff that weighs us down, clouds our vision, till we can't see the race that God has set before us. The Bible compares life to a marathon race, Hebrews 12.1. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up on it. Run the race that's before us. We should remove from our lives, say this word with me, anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. Of course, we're going to give away the sin, but God is encouraging us to let go of every weight or anything that's holding us back from the, weight, from the race God has given us. Serious runners focus. I have met many people who want to be used by God they won't be used by God. I'm not saying they can't, but they won't if they continue with what they're doing because they've got their own agenda going. They won't be used by God because they have their own priorities, their own things going. They've got their own plans, dreams, ambitions, worries, fears, problems. They don't have any time, any care, any fire, any passion left for God. And they say, I'll give God this little sliver right over here. It doesn't work that way. If you're serious about being used by God, you have to say, God, what do you want me to let go of? What do I need to cut out? What is the anything that I need to let go of so I can see the race that you're, you're creating a course for me? What are the barriers that are holding me back? What could distract you from your life vision? A lot of things. The expectations of other people. If you're trying to please everybody else instead of trying to please God, you can't do that. Uh, you've got to decide, am I going to please God with my life or everybody else? Am I going to please my boyfriend, girlfriend, boss, who, whomever? You've got to decide. You can only have one number one in life. You can, man, refusing to let go of the past can distract you from God's vision for your life. I can't respond to the present can't respond to what God is calling me to do if I'm reacting to the past. 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 5 
says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So before this, it's saying, yes, we're children of God, we're in the family of God, we're also soldiers for Christ. And no one's serving, like, they don't call it the service for nothing. Like, you go in and you serve, and you make an oath to a constitution, and you have a commanding officer, and you don't get entangled, distracted, all these things tied up in civilian affairs. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. Like we know this, athletes got to be focused. If you want to win a championship, it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of focus in your life. It takes a lot of focus in the game to run the play, stay in bounds, catch the ball, do what you're supposed to do, get the opportunities to focus, to win, to reach the prize. And so I've got to simplify my life so I can focus my life. What do I do? I purify my heart, sanctify my mind and body, simplify my life. Let's turn the outline and go to step four. What do I do? Christ says, I need you to apply what you already know. I apply what I already know. You can start acting on what you already know right there and now. You don't have to wait till you get to a certain location, a certain position, a certain milestone. Being used by God is not about location, it's about dedication. It's about applying what God has directed you to do. I'm just going to let the words of Jesus here uh, preach the rest of this point. Jesus says, so why do you keep calling me, Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floodwaters sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. God has a great vision for you great vision for this church for our future a big future takes a strong foundation how do you get a strong foundation on solid rock Christ says you listen to my teaching and you put it into practice and when you do that when you demonstrate that get ready God will use you you will be used by God I love this quote here from Dietrich Bonhoeffer he says being a Christian is less, is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Have you found that to be true? That if I, if I focus on this thing, a lot of all the other problems and sins, they go away. They just become mere distractions because I'm focused on this thing. So I apply what I already know. And let me give you the fifth step. And really it's a catalyst for next week as I discover God's purposes. Okay, let's say that you're leading a business or you're organizing a project of some kind or you're leading a ministry project and someone comes to you and says, uh, I, want, I want to be used for this. I'm making myself available to be used by you. But they begin working and they aren't doing the project. They're just kind of working around you 
but working on their own vision and their own thing. In fact, at times, they're even pulling you away, asking you questions about this thing that they're doing, and you're like, well, hey, I thought we were doing this. Are you going to, as a leader, are you interested in using that person? No, you want people who understand the purpose. God created you, God created the church for a reason. He has a vision. God's on a mission. He has purposes. And they're not hidden. He's not cagey about them. They're not mysterious. He wants people to know them. Do you know them? Colossians 1, 15 through 18 talks a little bit about purpose here where it says we look at this son that is Jesus Christ and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything. Everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body, meaning Christ is the head of the church. So next week is the next leg of this series. We're going to preach on why God made you, his purposes. God has never created anything without a purpose. You know, every plant has a purpose. Every planet has a purpose. If your heart is beating, it means God has a purpose for your life. If you want to know the purpose of your life, you don't look within, you start with God. I didn't create me, so I don't determine the purpose for me. God gets to say that. So next week, we're going to look at these timeless purposes that God wants you living for in your life. And what God wants for your life is way better than what you want for your life. What God wants for my life is way better than what I want for my life. And what God wants for your life is way better than what anybody else wants for your life. And God uses ordinary people, normal people, in spite of our faults, in spite of our habits and hurts and hang-ups, despite of our past and who our parents are and what our stories are and what our failures are, the crises that come into our lives. If God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. There's not one righteous apart from Christ. And maybe you feel like today, like you just couldn't even hear this because you think, man, God won't use me. God couldn't use me. You're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. God wants to use you. You have to be willing to say, God, use me. The Bible says that Christ carried our sins. He carried our pasts, our regrets, everything in his body on the cross so that we could stop living for ourselves and we could start living for him. The Bible says Jesus died on the cross so that everything we've ever done wrong could be forgiven so that we could have a brand new life that we could be born again. I want to finish today with Psalm 103, and this is just for the person who's struggling to receive this, to know this, wondering where they stand with God. Psalm 103 says, For his unfailing love toward those who fear him, 
is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The east could never touch the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. He knows where where we came from. He's acquainted with our struggles. And God wants to use you. Would you go to him now? Let's pray together. Uh, Which five steps is God leading you toward? Uh, Do you need to purify your heart? Do you need to get alone with God this week and say, God, what's between me and you? What's the barrier? Why do you feel so distant? And you ask God to reveal any sins in your life. You confess them to God. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to go to a priest. The veil has been torn. You go directly to God. Confess to God. He is faithful. And he will forgive you. He will purify you. He can cleanse you. Maybe you need to sanctify your mind and body. Maybe you need to say, God, uh, you've separated me from the penalty of sin. But I want to work with you to be separated from the power of sin in my life. Maybe you need to, there's something in your life that you need to simplify. Something you need to let go of or cut back on. or Put in its rightful place. So that you're not distracted and God can lead you. Maybe there's something that you've been coming to church for weeks now and God's been leading you to do and you need to apply it. And I invite you back next week to discover, be reminded, be renewed in God's purposes for your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for using us. I believe this church is a testimony that you use ordinary people in extraordinary ways. And we know that just like Joshua told the people to get ready before they went into the promised land, that you're telling our hearts and our lives our bodies, our schedules, our minds, to get ready for our future, what's before us today. And we believe you will use us in wonderful and amazing ways. Give us faith to see it, to believe it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.